0: Special Teams, a podcast where we spotlight some of the great single-season teams in sports history, also some of the not-great ones that we all remember. I'm Jason Smith. I'm Mike Herman. Our show is on Fox Sports Radio, heard Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast. And we love doing this show for you. So far in the run, we have spotlighted big teams that have won the Super Bowl, teams that have fallen short, NBA teams that have won it all, and now we get back to an NFL team that really announced the rebirth of their franchise and that is the 1996 Green Bay Packers this is a team that saw Brett Favre go from hey he's a lot of fun to be a cultural icon it saw its share of controversy it saw its share of highs and lows and it saw the beginning of the birth of a rivalry that still exists today that has nothing to do with with the Green Bay Packers. How's that for a tease, Mr. Fung? That is what you call a nice long lead and NFL history. And Brett Favre,
1: the icon, as you say, from Gene's ads to his commentary to his retirement on and off again, going on about a decade. Uh, but this was the place that cemented, him, cemented his spot in NFL lore and made him bulletproof from any type
0: uh, of battling about a career that should have been in this moment. In 1996, Brett Favre was 27 years old. He wasn't the grizzled, gray hair, wearing Wrangler jeans guy that we've known him for later on in his career. He was the gunslinger, the guy that liked to throw the ball up and down the field. And the Packers were coming off of a loss to the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game in 1995-38-27. The Packers entered this season as one of the prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl. And this season they were dominant in every facet of the game. They finished number 1 in total points, number 1 in total offense, number 1 ranked in total defense, number 1 ranked in special teams. When you finish number 1 ranked in all of those categories, you should win the Super Bowl. Seems like you have to finish
1: the job, right? And I'm sure uh as we go through all out all our sports uh As we chronicle these teams, good, bad, and ugly, there's a few that had some league leaders that failed miserably. But here, they were the first to be first in offense and defense since the 72 Dolphins. We're talking lofty company in terms of what they are able to accomplish. And week in, week out, just the heroics of Brett Favre and that offense and Reggie White getting that defense up and ready to play.
0: So what was it like for the Packers heading into the season? Well, the draft wasn't great. They got a couple of decent players out of it, but it was really about free agency. They brought in wide receiver Don Beebe, who was best known for losing four Super Bowls with the Buffalo Bills. Desmond Howard, who we're going to have a lot on him later on. Eugene Robinson. These were all new faces to add to some of the cast of characters they had on this team that were all pro-caliber guys. Leroy Butler is a guy that doesn't really get the the run he deserves. One of the best safeties I've seen in the National Football League. This was Reggie White, the late Reggie White, in the middle of his dominance. This was Gilbert Brown when he was such a a huge, he was like like, like an iconic like a pulp iconic figure because he was so heavy, but he stopped the running games of all the opposing teams. He was so big up the middle. I mean, there was a lot of guys on this team that were just larger than life. Even you want to get into Jim McMahon, who was the backup quarterback coming off the 85 bears, you know, here you are 10, 11 years later, guess what guys get another Super Bowl ring,
1: still hanging around and still there and never looked quite right in a Packers uniform. No, never did. If you're from never Chicago, uh, like yours truly, that's still the trading cards and images of him in a Packers uni uh, with the visor on still leave you a little bit confused, but you you look at the way this team was built and and we had uh, Keith Jackson, was a huge contributor here coming over from Miami.
0: Yeah, wasn't Mark Shimura being the number one tight end, which he turned into later on in his career. It was Keith Jackson who had a great season. Three Pro Bowls eventually for Shimura and some
1: off-field issues. A number of those guys from this Packers team actually found themselves in some trouble. But you go into the season, and of your starters, right, the guys that are listed at the top of the depth chart, which included Shimura, you had nine guys that were homegrown. Nine guys that were Packer guys outside of, obviously, Brett Favre coming over from Atlanta. Most of your stars were guys that you had picked right off out of the draft or signed as an undrafted free agent and plugged right in. I mean, that's that's a pretty impressive run, and we think about how much – in today's nfl things are turned over and you you get a a little bit of just the mishmash and now trades becoming more in in vogue than they ever were certainly at this time that you had that many guys that were in for the packers this was new right going into free agency and acquiring players that way as you mentioned all those guys that came in particularly on the
0: defensive side of the ball that was a new way of doing business for the green bay packers yeah it was all look we have this image of the packers is throwing the ball up and down the field and being able to run it because this is dorsey levin's your favorite player I know, it was bennett, always fun look edgar bennett was really good he was the the guy coming into the season supposed to be the running back mm-hmm. antonio freeman turned out to be really good robert brooks was great until he got hurt they make a mid-season trade for andre Ryzen, but it was about the defensive side of the ball too and people forget that this is and the special teams aspect of it with desmond howard but this was a completely fulfilled team on all three facets of the game and that's something you know people just don't remember that
1: well you look at the, spe- the special teams how appropriate with the name right you had seven different players that contributed to kickoff returns they averaged 22 yards per return led by howard and Beebe. and on the punt side of things you're, you're looking at double the yardage per punt return than you allowed for your opponent the special teams coordinator here was nolan cromwell Career as a safety In the National (laughs) Football League Comes in and he's dominating Special teams and obviously the Packers coaching staff Just littered with guys that would Go on to become NFL head coaches Some of which are, are Legendary but you know far of completing passes to 13 different players, five different guys with more than 30 receptions. Your leader was Freeman with 56. Just the way, the difference in the game now where you don't have that number one go-to guy that sees 900 targets as we have in a couple of examples, but for a far of 3,900 yards, 39 touchdown, 13 interceptions. I mean, the touchdown-to-interception ratio matched what he did the year before where he hit some ridiculous marks, including 4,400 passing yards here, a little shy, but Bennett and Levens, as you mentioned, a good one-two combination, didn't dominate, but they kept the chains moving and kept this offense humming to give Favre another fresh set of downs to find guys, and Keith Jackson
0: again, dominating in the red zone with his 10 touchdowns, just set the mark. So while the Packers are getting set on their run to dominance and their return to glory, what else was going on in the world in 1996? 1996. In 1996, the world was introduced to the Macarena. Even though it had been recorded a couple of years ago, it didn't become a hit till 1996. I can still do the Macarena. Please don't. There were only 100,000 websites. That's it. In 1996. You think that's a lot? There's a billion websites now. Yeah, that's a billion. About it. Yeah. All of them have to do with the New York Jets No (laughs) Dolly the sheep was cloned The first mammal to be successfully cloned Major League Soccer made its debut in April of 1996. Long before Zlatan. I'll tell you what, I love Zlatan. Of course, he was playing professional soccer by then, wasn't he? Uh, Yeah, he was. Pretty close. He was getting there. And in the NFL, the big story was the return of football to Baltimore. As the Browns had left, packed up, (laughs) were leaving, and now they become (laughs) the Baltimore Ravens. yeah, I mean, late, late
1: in there I mean, when we're talking about The the fun of pop culture I mean, our favorite movie,
0: Sling Blade mm-hmm. Got released How much you want for them french fried potatoes? <laughs> I'll get me some of the big ones So that's what it looked like In 1996 As the Green Bay Packers Began their run to immortality Coming up next It didn't start all that great for the Packers Because Brett Favre kind of had a big toe stub in the offseason we'll get to that as the special teams podcast continues jason smith mike harman the 1996 green bay packers
2: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you
0: As we continue on with the special teams podcast, as we look back at the Green Bay Packers of 1996 Super Bowl champions, getting set to enter this season, Brett Favre was coming out of rehab for painkillers. This is a very big story. This is when I was a a producer at Fox Sports 1, which was Fox Sports News, which started in 1996. So that's another big thing that happened in that year was the first year of Fox challenging ESPN for superiority across the sports landscape. But for Brett Favre, you talk about Internet earlier just starting to come into
1: its own right and Mm -hmm. people starting to push pages and what are you doing you were writing about your local heroes and so that became the brett Favre hero worship because this is at at the best and what do people like a good comeback story and coming out of rehab that was it
0: won the mvp the year before and he had he had ascended to being hey he's a star and with this super bowl he went to icon where it was no matter what he did we loved brett farf well that was, it. he and just he made was... that transformation some people loved him i love brett farf i hate how cocky he is how arrogant he is but he won the super bowl and he become everybody loves brett farf but that was a funny thing
1: right always the perception of arrogant and cocky versus just being excitable Mm-hmm. Right, because we still have that battle with quarterbacks all these years later, right? We're almost a quarter century later, and it's still that same battle of, all right, how much emotion can they show on the field? Like, Brett Favre was the guy running down to headbutt his, his receivers mm-hmm. or his linemen, things that Jim McMahon Throwing was Throwing passes, doing, his lefty, right? underhand. But, but all sure. that craziness, and it was always, all right, what is he? Cocky versus just confident in what he could do and having fun right because we we go through his career as all right when he had the big monday night game after his father's death and the emotion that he showed there but the the gamer right guy who kept showing up for work mm. how many quarterbacks that we we do the how many games in a row have they played Ah, He's got another 12 seasons to catch Favre kind of thing going on So the guy that always laced him up And wanted to be out there And so it was always tough to reconcile But he always needed that Super Bowl You never want to be in that category, and we have it with so many NBA guys that met the unfortunate end of the Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon era that are, yeah, they were really great, but they never won a title. Brett Favre at least secured one here, so whatever happened for the rest of his career, as chaotic as it got with the semi-retirement, your Jets run, going to Minnesota, everything else, that it didn't matter because
0: he had one of those in the books. And this was a comeback of the brand of the Green Bay Packers who had built the NFL in the early days Mm -hmm. with the Super Bowls early on, but really had gone dormant. They had a couple of years in the 80s where they were fun. They had James Lofton, but... They really came back into prominence In 1995-96 Look, Favre wins the MVP, they make it to the NFC Championship game, and they start out In 1996 like gangbusters They're going to beat the crap out of everybody They beat Tampa Bay 34-3 To open the season, they beat the Eagles 39-13 They beat the Chargers 42-10 And suddenly it's, boy, the Packers going to score 40 points every week. You you knew right away they were still legit off of last year, and they were announcing themselves as the team to beat. And it was a very workmanlike year. They, you know, they, they stubbed their toe against the Minnesota Vikings, but they scored 31 against the Seahawks, 37 against the Bears. And before you know it, it's, well, we just got to put the Packers in the Super Bowl, don't we? I mean, they kind of have to get there.
1: Well, the way we do things now, you crown them week to week, and here every week they're putting up 30 points a game, right? They average... What twenty eight point six for the season, and you're seeing the early beatdowns. But with all of Favre's greatness, and you're talking about four touchdown games, time and time again, is is what that defense was doing mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily getting the same run
0: because, like everybody loves the quarterback, right? They're the ones that get the headlines. Yeah, and the defense had to because the offense then started to hit. Some rough patches, Mm -hmm. right? They play their first Monday night game in 10 years when when they beat Philadelphia. They play Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers in October, and Robert Brooks, who was becoming a star, I remember having Robert Brooks in fantasy. He was a big deal, yeah. He had the big, long 90 yard touchdown. He gets hurt, hurts his knee. He is done for the season. They still win the game, but now they're without Robert Brooks. What do they do? They go out and make a trade for Andre Rison, was always talented as hell and wore out his welcome in Atlanta. Was Bad Moon Rison, TJ Bad Moon Rison, was he going to work in Green Bay? Andre Rison comes in. Antonio Freeman breaks his arm and he misses nearly six weeks of action. But it doesn't matter because the Packers machine kept rolling. They kept scoring points. They kept winning games. It was some kind of thing to see you lose your top two wide receivers for a long period of time and still doesn't matter. We're still winning football. Games.
1: Well, he kept finding the next man up, right? We mentioned the acquisition in the offseason of Don Beebe, who's number four that was able to rise up. And, you know One of those guys that was just a, a steady reliable, not a world beater, played well on special teams, but was able to move the chains and come up with big catches when they needed him to and certainly they they had a couple of hiccups and a, and a couple of games that they made, made you sweat and wonder if it was going to come off the rails. But overall, they were able to weather the storm, that two-headed running
0: attack also helping along the way. They come into a game on my birthday, November 18th of 1996, against the Dallas Cowboys. And that was kind of the... Under the radar storyline for the Packers that season in Green Bay, it was we got to beat the Cowboys. Now you right.
1: glossed over Steve Bono a, beating them the week before. Sorry, just Steve, because of Steve
0: Bono. Just to mention Steve Bono. Why well, <laughs> well, didn't mention Doug Peterson was the third-string on this team? I and mean, <laughs> that's the awesome. Went on to coach the Eagles, win the Super Bowl. Well, He's he guaranteed a he guaranteed a Super Bowl win during the middle <laughs> of all this. Don't you remember? But on November eighteenth. They played Dallas, and it was, we got to beat Dallas. That's where our road to the Super Bowl goes through. And like I said, they lost them in the NFC title game. They lose to them to drop to eight and three. Dallas kicks seven field goals Bonio. in this game. You played Chris Boniol in fantasy that week, boy. How happy were they? Yeah, but you? can't you? I know this was a big game with, with Al
1: Michaels and company, but can't you just hear Pat Summerall? Bonyol. Bonyol. 47. <laughs> Good. 18 to seven. Come on,
0: Cowboys. You, you can hear it in your head. I mean, it's murder. Just calling. <laughs> she wrote. So <laughs> that's the last loss that the Packers would have that game. The offense played terribly and the Cowboys able to shut them down. And as much as the Packers and their faithful wanted the Cowboys at this point, they had to be pretty nervous about it because as well as they've played now they're eight and three, they're having mm-hmm. a good season. They can't beat the Cowboys. They lost to them. Now they got everything this year. Yes, you can say we have guys injured, a couple of wide receivers hurt. We're trying to figure things out. But you know they have to be near. Back of their heads is, can we really beat the Cowboys? Well, because
1: this was a game, again, all field goals. And this wasn't a particularly crisp Game for, for Troy Aikman 24-35, 206 Yards, Emmitt Smith was 20 For 76, far below their Normal brilliance that you had Throughout the year, Michael Irvin Five catches, 66 yards You were able to take the triplets and shut them down And you still lose And don't have a, a fight at all Right, a late touchdown farv to, to rookie Derek Mays That's all that, that they had offensively For this game, so yeah it's, it sets up, after thinking about the title game of the year before, that are, are we going down the same road? A lot of dominating
0: performances, but really just a regular season team. They write the ship. They win their last five. They're not really threatened in any of these games. So they head to the playoffs, home field advantage all the way through at 13-3, and three and they're feeling good. But still, the specter of the Cowboys is hanging over them. Nothing affects them their first playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers. They score 14 in the first quarter. They beat the Niners 35-14. A big game from Desmond Howard, who has one long kick return plus a kick return for a touchdown. He had been somewhat silent earlier on in the year, and he was someone who I remember... Almost didn't make the team, but I think he returned a kick for a touchdown in the last preseason game, and the, and the Packers said, okay, let's keep him, and boy were they glad they kept him, because in the playoffs, it was Desmond Howard time, and for Desmond, it was the validation to his career, coming out as the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. winner, the Heisman pose you still see on TV now, and he kind of meandered around a bit, and it was, boy, this is a guy that was so decorated in college, but was kind of a tweener, and finally, at least said, you know, I can give you my NFL legacy in the 1996 playoffs especially because of how it ended but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes but still this was the validation of him for his career so the packers beat the 49ers 35 14 and they're thinking cowboys cowboys now we can't wait for the cowboys But the Cowboys had problems of their own because going into the playoffs, this was when the whole White House stuff came up, the Cowboys, that they were running a house where players were there and they brought women in for sex and drugs. Michael Irvin was in the middle of a huge controversy back then in which his status for the playoffs was up in the air. And the debate was, should Michael Irvin be allowed to participate in the playoffs? Because, look, the controversy was pretty bad. It was a lot of bad things about sex and drugs, and Irvin was at the center of this. And going into this game, the entire week was, will Dallas do the right thing and bench Michael Irvin? I mean, that was the conversation. I mean, he turned out being involved in a in a sexual... Allegation that turned out to be dropped and not pursued, but it wasn't until weeks later. So this what you have a game coming up in four or five days, and when you have all of this brothel type behavior swirling around you, it was a huge groundswell for hey, Michael Irvin shouldn't play in this game, but the Cowboys were still one step away from the NFC championship. Well it's good that Roger Goodell wasn't in charge then now, oh, isn't it? They wouldn't have played the game. They might have, have been, just said, you know what, we've got to wait yeah, for this to you're finish forfeit. and we'll come back. You're out.
1: We'll play another time
0: (laughs) They were awaiting the upstart Carolina Panthers who surprising Everybody wait a minute they just started How are they this good Michael Irvin gets hurt in the beginning of the game can't play the rest of the way, and it doesn't matter because the Carolina Panthers just smoke the Cowboys and move on to the NFC Championship game. Kerry Collins. And as much as, I mean, look, Kerry Collins, this is in his heyday coming off of Penn State, the best he has played. He did have a resurgence with the Giants a couple of years later, made it to the Super Bowl, and then a little bit with the Titans mm-hmm. about seven or eight years later. So he kind of had an up and down career, but this was Kerry Collins might be a great quarterback. The Panthers win big, and now the Packers have to be saying to themselves, all right, oh, right, we're bummed we didn't get the Cowboys. But were they really bummed? Because you knew you were going to roll over this new team. Here they are in the NFC Championship game. They're going to come in eyes wide, whereas the Cowboys were a team that knew what it took to win. They were Super Bowl champions. As much as you wanted to play them, you had to be wiping your brow going, okay, I'm kind of glad we didn't draw the Cowboys because things could have ended different. Well, you'd already just lost the, the
1: last two matchups handily. I mean, they they taking care of you both times. The only thing with Carolina is that you did have an opportunistic defense, and they took advantage of some blunders by Troy Aikman in the prior round. He finished with three interceptions and fewer than 200 passing yards. So, to that end, having had your injured wide receivers and looking for that next man up each and every time, every game, trying to find that next hot weapon downfield for Brett Favre, that perhaps there's a little bit there. But to your point the bright light and you had a defense that was more than happy to try to get after Kerry Collins and force the youngster into mistakes.
0: So with the Panthers visiting Lambeau Field, the, the Packers fans I talked to that remember this game all tell me the same thing. Boy, I was nervous because it started out poorly. The Packers couldn't get on the scoreboard. The Panthers got an early touchdown and it seemed like everybody was nervous waiting for something to happen and Far throws a touchdown to Dorsey Levens and that's when the Packers. Packers kind of go on a roll. They take the lead at halftime. They outscore the Panthers in the second half, 13-3, and it really isn't close. It's more of a machine-like victory for the Packers, and they're where we expect them to be in the Super Bowl. We're awaiting them is Bill Parcells and the Patriots.
1: Yeah, when you, you look at the way that game flowed uh, second half, Freeman gets the touchdown to put them ahead, and then Chris Jackie Packers Hall of Famer we'll talk more about him a little oh later. I
0: had him on my fantasy team too a yeah lot.
1: Well, uh, it's a great name we'll talk about him a little bit more but Edgar Bennett the run game takes over and they just kind of grind it out take advantage of the fact that you had a reliable kicker and cruise to a 30-13 win and then on the other side you've got Drew
0: Bledsoe ready to roll it up so this was what was awaiting in new orleans for super bowl 31 coming up next as we continue on the special teams podcast the game that was and the experience that was new orleans from a guy who was there for the entire time Only somewhat sober I was going to say You remember all this? Uh, Someone write it on your arm? I was was told some of this I was told some of it (laughs) The oral history Of a trip to New Orleans With Jason Smith It's like the oral history Of the zombie war Except it's now about The Green Bay Packers And the Super Bowl In 1997 That's coming up next Right here as the Special Teams Podcast Rolls on The week that was Super Bowl 31. I remember it very well. First Super Bowl, I worked and attended as I was a producer for Fox Sports News, which is now Fox Sports 1. This is a big deal because this was Fox's first Super yeah.
1: Bowl. It was, yeah. right,
0: this was a big watershed moment. Welcome to the club. You know, people have always had their memory of the NFL being on Fox, but when the NFL went to Fox in the mid-90s, it was, well, wait a minute, Fox? They're married always, with children? Yeah, it was ABC, NBC, CBS, and they would always circle around around who else would get it which two would get it who would get left out and then Fox comes in with a bid and it's like whoa Fox really the Simpsons Simpsons married with children and raunchy teen comedies that's it (laughs) so here's the first game that Fox had as a Super Bowl we were there covering it and it was a big Fox versus ESPN week because we knew that we needed to have a good week because everybody was tuning into our programming everybody was sampling we had to have a big week so what did it begin with well, for me, it began with arriving in New Orleans, going out for my very first night in New Orleans with a bunch of people, Uh-oh. and we go to a bar, and the waitress comes up to me and says, hey, honey, what'd you like to have for a drink? And I was like, oh, I love your accent. And I said, well, <laughs> what do you have on tap? I'm going to have a course. He goes, honey, y'all in New Orleans, you got to have a hurricane. I said, okay, hurricane. Uh-oh. So I order a hurricane. Worst drink in the world If we can sound an alarm here oh, This is where it goes off the rails All this rum, it's terrible, but it's a huge drink And I go, oh, this is so bad I can't wait to finish this and get a beer I can't wait, and so I'm sitting so for like sweet 20 minutes Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I'm like, oh, this is just the worst Oh my god, so we're sitting there talking And my friends are going, you really don't like it I go, no, I go, oh, let me taste, yeah, it's bad It's bad, so I'm finishing, I'm waiting I'm going, oh my god, finally I finish it And I flagged the waitress down, she comes over and says What are you all going to have? And I said, I'll have another one of these it was just in that moment. Hey, yeah, I'll have another one. You tried to pick uh, up on this woman while uh, you're at it? No, no, no. I mean, like, good hey, God. It's like, this hey, great. this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to have a hurricane. You told me I needed to have a hurricane. Uh, the next day, they had an outing to Brett Favre's home, which is in Kill, Mississippi. They had a big yeah. bus going to Brett okay, Favre's sure. home. So in the meeting, we were going to go. I said, well, we got to go to Brett Favre's house. And our executive producer says, no, blank that. We do our own stories. <laughs> Right? Like let ESPN go and do that. We'll do our own stories. I said, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to go meet the chicken man. And I said, (laughs) well, what what do you mean? He goes, he's really famous down here. He's a big voodoo priest. You got to go see the chicken man. I'm like, okay. So we go to meet the chicken man. Uh, we get to his house and he's got all kinds of alligator heads all around his and he's house. And friends on the other side.
1: This just the beginning of yeah, Doctor he, he, he was a little bit.
0: Uh, he was. A little, he had a big walking stick <laughs> and he had a big long beard and he would. You know, he had all these different. You know, things he showed us. The, all these little statues and everything. I go. You got one for Brett Favre. You got one for this. And we like brought like little dolls of Favre and Bledsoe and he like getting out a your starting lineup dolls. Yeah, it was just <laughs> insane. I'm like, I'm here. At the Chicken Man's house, so we get him to do a couple of things, and we bring it back, and that's the story we run. ESPN runs, "Hey, here's Brett Favre's home in Kill Mississippi, and his dad, or Favre, and all this." We run, "Hey, we went to see the Chicken Man in, in New Orleans," and I got to say, it was pretty fun. So much more flavor. I mean, look, you love the story
1: of Favre, his background, and his family, whatever. Now nah, you can do that on. Yeah, on any any one of the number of nationally televised games
0: i told you the executive producer was really happy you got the chicken man in yeah okay, that, that's, that's great. good i like that and um he says to me all right that was a really good feature i said all right what, what do you want me to do now he says well, uh, well we'll figure stuff out but we're gonna go back and forth and do some different things that's all right fine i said i completely get it. he goes go could do a feature on bourbon street i said what he goes whatever you see so whatever I see, whatever you see on Bourbon Street, take a camera, go. We'll do a whole big flavor of New Orleans. We'll pixelate like, whatever okay. we need to pixelate. First thing I see is women on top of this balcony yeah. on Bourbon Street. And there's a guy down, like, I guess good looking dude, I don't even remember. And he's standing there and he's calling up going, come on, throw me some beads. Because every people will do anything for beads. I mm-hmm. mean, it's anything for just like $2 beads. And the woman go, take your pants off. And the guy takes his pants off—not just his pants, but his underwear too. So he's standing there, naked from the waist down. Women go, "Okay, you earned it," and they throw him some beads. He puts them on. Happiest guy in the world. For like everybody's a, got a like price. Two-dollar beads. It was it was a celebrity was like, for the moment. Okay, I felt like I was walking into the, the cantina in Star Wars. What did you do what for I a follow see Well, I found out it was open container, so I went and got a beer, and I'm walking down the street going, I'm just drinking a beer. It's like I'm at a big block party. Yeah, it was I a new, mean, new world, right? Broadway yeah. It was amazing. Then I ran into a guy who was dressed like a superhero, except he had a vacuum cleaner on his, uh, like some kind of backpack. It was a vacuum cleaner, Okay, and he held the tube like it was his weapon. Mm-hmm. And he kept telling me, he says, you. Your eyes bleed from the inside. And he turned on his vacuum and he pointed it at me. And I and I turned to the camera and I go, "You're getting this right because this is my this is my uh this is my evidence <laughs> if something happens to me. Like I don't know what what's going to come out of this vacuum now." And he's telling me I bleed from the inside of the my reverse. eyes. It was yeah, but you know, we, either that or he was going
1: to suck away your clothes and suddenly you're naked as a Jaybird <laughs> like the other guy.
0: <laughs> Maybe it was a long play to get you that way. I mean, so that was Bourbon Street. I mean, I mean, mean, we've all got a tale or two. It's I mean, this is Bourbon Street, obviously, pre-Hurricane Katrina, where it was a bay was debauchery and anything anything goes. Right. It was it was the Star Wars scene from from the the cantina. I don't like you either. (laughs) I'm Dr. Rebazan. Well, and you've got the karaoke bars. You've got people playing
1: music on the street. It's just a whole other world. And well, I'm glad you experienced between the chicken man and vacuum cleaner (laughs) (laughs) superheroes. Guy it
0: was insane. Two stories for a lifetime. The big story we were get after. I said, "Okay, what's the next story?" And they go, "Sean Jones, defensive lineman for the Packers, for the is going sure. to retire on our air after the Super Bowl." I was like, what? He's going to retire on our air after the Super Bowl. We got to make sure we get there, get the cameras. We're, you know, a few minutes after and he's going to retire. We're like, oh, wow, that's going to be a huge get. That was, this is really big. And as the week was going on, we could tell we were doing good things. We were doing things that you weren't going to get on ESPN because that was kind of like the Fox attitude. You know, we all flew out on a Fox plane, which I was stunned at. I thought we're all going to fly it on different flights, commercial flights. No, we all flew out on the Fox charter. You know, all the Fox people flew out together. And it was, it was, it, we felt that we were doing something Team. really big. Yeah. So leading up to the game now, the day of the game comes and the Packers are the favorites over the Patriots, but it's Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells was in the midst of growing his legend because he had had two Super Bowls with the Giants, and now here he is back with the Patriots of all teams. And the Patriots had Drew Bledsoe. They had Curtis Martin, who later turned into my favorite football player once the Jets signed him. You still have his hand. They were. Yeah, I shook his hand for a long time at the Super Bowl.
1: We I, wish, I wish we would have clocked yeah. that. Yeah. That was one of the weirder moments of yeah. our professional careers together. I really thought you were, A, going to steal his jaunty hat because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he always wears that nice... You know, Kangle kind of, you know, green mm-hmm. kangle. Yeah. Is or or a plaid one is, is what you always see Curtis Martin in. Uh you're a hero though. Yeah, I shook his hand and kept shaking
0: his hand and then shook his hand yeah. again at the end. But it was I met Curtis Martin. No, it was I a mean, big Curtis deal. Martin. No, man. it was good to see him. Curtis Martin. Yeah. So the game comes and it starts out like Gangbusters. Second play of the game, a play that everybody remembers. Brett Favre throws a touchdown pass to Andre Risen. He runs down the field with his helmet off in his hand. And I said, this is going to be a blowout. Packers are going to kill the Patriots in this game. That's not how it turned out. The Patriots were able to control the game a bit. They actually took the lead 14-10 after the first quarter. And it was, whoa. Patriots might be able to win this game here. For hang on a second, we, we, we nobody gave them a chance no. because of the way the Packers blow, blow through the regular season and and through the playoffs. But it was wait a minute, Packers given the Patriots all they can handle here in the Super Bowl. Keith Byers, Ben Coates,
1: you look at the way that team was constructed. I mean, Drew Bledsoe uh, putting up over four thousand yards, about one one and a half touchdowns to interceptions. So he was gettable, mm-hmm. and he would get uh, be gettable as the game wore on. But your guy Curtis. Martin and from a receiving perspective you know Terry Glenn was the big star along with Ben Coach, but that was really it right the mm-hmm. defense at that point Ben Coach gets the touchdown and everybody takes a pause takes a deep breath they watch the Blues Brothers James Brown and ZZ Top and have, that's right <laughs> they put Jim Belushi in front of America
0: well I kind of had
1: to no, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs>
0: he loves Chicago. You're from Chicago.
1: How do you not like No, David they Lucy? keep propping that guy up like he's super fan. Here what? he is. Hey, he's a Blackhawks fan. Here he is. Now I'm a Cub fan. Then sure. he tried to be a
0: White Sox fan, just like John Cusack. He was he in according to, to Jim. He was on Saturday Night Live. He did according to Jim. <laughs> so after the Patriots get out, the Packers have a huge second quarter. They outscore New England 17-0. So they take a 27-14 lead into halftime. And this is when... It's a fait complete, right? The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. They have a huge lead. They're going to roll it up against the Patriots in the second half. This is what we are waiting to see. And things didn't start out that well. Curtis Martin, with a big touchdown run, cuts the lead to 27-21. And again, it was boy, every time it looks like the Packers are going to pull away, here come the Patriots hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And I've seen Bill Parcells play many games like this, where defensively he has stayed close. They've scored just enough points and they've pulled it out at the end. And being a Jets fan, I'm watching this going, I'm going to watch Bill Parcells win the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Well, because
1: you know, I'm going to watch Vinatari's there, right? And he's doing Vinatieri things. So if you can get within his leg being the difference maker, he was automatic as the years have gone on you know time gets everybody but at this point you had a reliable kicker Bledsoe was capable of the big play and so at 27 21 a little bit of let's go to commercial break everybody's now a bit anxious in their homes and we got ourselves a game
0: and then we come back from commercial and what happens Desmond Howard wins Super Bowl MVP, returning the ensuing kickoff for a touchdown. The Packers lead bows back out to two touchdowns, 35-21. No scoring in the fourth quarter. The Packers were able to close it down defensively. You could have named anybody from the Packers defense as MVP. Reggie White played well. You had, a, you, had a, you had a horde of players who, when it came time to close this game, it wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't Brett Favre. Sure, he had a good game, but it wasn't, hey, we're putting up a bunch of points. It was the defense keeping the Patriots out of the end zone for the final 15-plus minutes. Desmond Howard,
1: four kick returns, 154 yards, and another 90 yards in punt returns 244 total I mean you're talking about changing the the field of play and giving your offense a shot and and then letting that defense get after it right because they they had caused turnovers over the course of the day Bledsoe finished with four interceptions so they certainly feasted on him at times but for Desmond Howard this was that moment you know the mvp and we we debate this every year when we go through i mean every once in a while there's just an obvious guy Mm -hmm. but how many times you go into defense and specialty and like all right which guy are they gonna pick but no desmond
0: howard obviously the difference maker and put that final nail in the coffin well this was this is also where when you vote for mvp in a super bowl sometimes it's what's the one big play that did it. Like Malcolm Smith's interception return for a touchdown for the Seahawks, which Seahawks. we talked we talk about, about already it. Sure. on special teams. Was he the best player on the field? He made the biggest play. Desmond Howard, 244 yards, return yards. He also made the biggest play. When things got nervous, he returned a kick for a touchdown and that won the game. So I, yeah, I I completely get him winning MVP and validating his career.
1: Well, there's his entire NFL career. I mean, this is it, right? He, he played a number of years, but for him, the '96 Packer run and most folks wouldn't identify. They'd just go back to college, right? <laughs> to some to some degree, you forget the heroics, even though he was a, a Super Bowl MVP. Because you would just assume, as we do most years, hey, MVPs are just quarterbacks.
0: (laughs) So just (laughs) hand it over to the quarterback and be done with it. Uh, Favre accounted for three touchdowns total. He had two touchdowns through the air. He ran another one in, threw for 246 yards. He played very well, didn't get the Super Bowl MVP, and he had to reconcile himself with winning his second straight most valuable player award as he was awarded uh, for this season as well. The game is over. The Packers win. It's it's an incredible day. It's, it's packer backers. It's The cheeseheads are going crazy. It's the return to glory. And now I'm thinking, okay, Sean Jones is going to retire on our, our air. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a big deal. Camera goes in, goes on Sean Jones. Sean, you just won the suit. How do you feel? He talks about it. it, it what do you think for, for your career? He says, well, you know, I was thinking about it, but I, I might stick around a while and play. And we were all like, no, come on, man. Really? You know, and I'll never forget the plane ride home. We're all going back, and it's like a... A plane ride back for a team after they won a championship because everybody knew that we had killed it. Mm-hmm. And Fox had kind of announced themselves as we're here to stay. Not only do we have Fox TV, but we have Fox Sports News now, which had a really big week. And uh David Hill, who had run Fox for a long time, gets on the is able to talk to the plane, because you know it's a chartered plane. It's my only time I ever flew on a chartered plane, I think. And he starts telling us all the numbers have come in for the Super Bowl and and the X Files which came on every after- oh, sure. Sure, yeah, we were like, yeah, yeah. It was a huge. It was a huge night. You're got, into your third hurricane on no, the plane. No, no. You know what I was drinking? I was drinking Dead Guy Ale. Wow. We found it's, on the it's way been around airport, that long. Yeah. On the way to the that? airport, we all stopped for something on the way. We said, Well, we got to get something to party on the plane with. So I saw this thing. I said, Well, it's called Dead Gael. I got to have it. It was terrible. But that's your drinking on the way back on the plane. And everybody's telling stories going, And I remember when on Tuesday it was when we went to the media day. And it was, uh, it was, it was just a huge party on the plane going back because really it was not. I don't want to say it was the birth of Fox Sports, but it was when they cemented that Fox Sports was here and Fox Sports was here to stay. So that was the season for the Green Bay Packers. Brett Favre set a then record with most touchdown passes in a season with 39. He won the MVP, as we said. He was an all-pro selection. Reggie White was the pro bowler. Desmond Howard was the MVP. But what about some of the other guys? What about some of the other guys that we may remember from this team? How about a little, where are they now? Where do we want
1: to start? You want to start with something really Surprise. outlandish? Surprise! All right, me. How about first off, we go to Robert Brooks, record label owner, wide receivers coach, and a minister in Phoenix. That's a lot. He's a bet's a busy dude. He's a busy dude. Yeah. Uh, Travis Jervey. Just because I want to get Travis Jervey in on the mix. Yes. All right. So first off, go back to his playing career because this is a nice little anecdote. Is that at one point he and a teammate co-owned a, a lion named Nala. Uh, was this uh, after the Lion
0: King? Because it was before the Lion King. That'd be pretty ironic. Yeah, I think right about the time oh, that it okay. that it
1: releases. Well, I'm just sure. In it was terms that, of the, the, I don't the, think we're just calling a lion. No, it's it synced up pretty nicely. But personal trainer, and then he was a, a marketing head for his wife's jewelry. So there you have there, Dorsey Levins. He was in We Are Marshall. He was a prominent role in Medea on the Run. So master thespian, going all the way back to his playing career when he appeared on Arlis. In 1998 So some credits Wanted to be In
0: front of a camera So from Bob Wohl To Tyler Perry How about Edgar (laughs) Edgar Bennett uh, tell you, you know, I felt bad for Edgar Bennett because he was the he was the guy. And then Dorsey Levins came in and, and really was the guy that year. And Edgar Bennett went back, okay, he's a fullback and a running back. He's both. And Edgar Bennett, I thought he was going to have a bigger end of the career that he
1: did. Well, as of 2019, the wide receivers coach for the Oakland Raiders uh, had to deal with Antonio Brown for a couple of weeks <laughs> uh, as you go through I'm it. I'm done. It's either him or me. Gilbert Brown, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He was a coach in a number of spots, including the Lingerie League. He's worked with business partners to get uh bully-proofing curriculum into schools of how to, to deal with being kinder on the playground and around the hallways. Pretty good. Always nice when a big guy can tell you to be kinder. All right, I got two more for you. One, Adam Timmerman, one of the guards. He uh, works for a John Deere dealer, so selling you your... Heavy industrial material. I think a lot of offensive linemen work for John Deere. That kind of works. I would would say there's a ton of them. And then we mentioned Chris Jackie, the kicker for the Packers, now in the Packers Hall of Fame. Uh, Had a career in finance, but started up a player alumni resources. So he's kind of like the gatekeeper to where if you want to book any of these Packer legends, for an event, come out for a golf tournament or an autograph signing. You gotta go through your You go through his organization, huh? And they do a lot of charitable work, but also provide opportunities and education for guys after their playing careers to make sure they get the resources they need
0: and some financial opportunities as well. Hey, Chris, I have a golf tournament that I'd like to book. So, yeah, I can play. No, I don't want you. I want other play. Wait, don't hang up on me. You think he does that You think he says Well if it's a guy I have to play Or if some things I just have to do it Well I
1: think he might Want to take some of that On himself he, I mean obviously He's going to get his cut As the director
0: but if he gets to take the whole appearance fee as well, isn't that a win? So there's our look back at the year that was for the 1996 Green Bay Packers Super Bowl champions. And if NFL Films would do another update on it, it would certainly be a return to glory for the Packers. I'm Jason Smith. I'm Mike Arman. Our show Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Radio, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast. You want to get in on Twitter? Hit us up. Twitter at How About a Fresca? Mike is at sweet Roland dome your thoughts on the podcast or your suggestions for future podcasts we could put on here i'm already getting a lot of people want the early 90s buffalo Bills. yeah that's been a really popular one especially as bill's mafia
1: has become a thing these last couple of years i might throw you through a table as part of the podcast we'll do a video component we'll see you next time in the special teams podcast
0: Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app.